He must increase, but I must decrease. This great confession is a pivotal moment in, in the life of John the Baptist. John felt the calling of God very early in his life. Scripture suggests maybe even while he was in his mother's womb, he felt that calling. And eventually he responded to it, and he went off and he lived in the wilderness where he lived simply. He prayed, he studied the ancient scriptures, and he discovered the story of the Messiah in them. And he believed it, and he began to prepare people for the coming of that Messiah. And then after he met him face to face, spent time with him, he learned that the kingdom of God is not like ours. It's not like ours at all. In the kingdom of God, the least are great. The lost are found, the last are first, the dead are alive. But at this point in the story, John's disciples haven't yet grasped those greater truths. Just like Jesus' disciples didn't grasp it until after Jesus had died and rose again. So they want John to be a big deal. And by association, they want to be a big deal. They want this whole thing to be about them. And that is when John makes the great confession. No, Christ must increase, and I must decrease. It's spectacular, really. John the Baptist might be the only one, only character in the entire story of Jesus who actually gets Jesus before he dies and rises again. And in studying this passage over the last couple of weeks, it came to me that this confession would be a perfect theme for Cana for 2015. Christ must increase, and we must decrease. It's yet another way of capturing the overriding vision of Cana that we're always exploring here. Love God, love others. For it is ultimately in allowing Christ to increase in us, to take over, to transform us, that we most fully live into love of others. Of course, like John's disciples, this is not an easy truth to grasp. Often it takes a lifetime to grasp this truth, which is why we've been talking about it for six years. The challenge is this whole idea of decreasing ourselves. We're not, we're not so big on this idea of decreasing ourselves. We're taught from an early age to look out for number one, right? And this goes directly against a way of living that is all about number one, decreasing. But here's the thing. Maybe we need to reimagine what decrease means. See, words spoken some 2,000 years ago, translated through the centuries over and over again, can often leave us with words that in our vernacular and in our culture mean something far different. Or simply because of the way we know the concepts, these are loaded words for us now. The best example of this happening, I think, is in, in, in the non-theological world is the American Heart Association. So back in, I think it was the 1970s, they, they came up with this campaign, Quit Smoking, which is absolutely truthful. I mean, smoking kills us, so we, we, we shouldn't smoke. But whoever came up with Quit Smoking sort of was out of touch with American culture. Because from the time we're little, you don't quit. You don't quit anything. I can still remember being in the playground. Someone quit the game, baby, quit it, quit it. We don't quit, right? And they use this really loaded term without realizing it was going against what they were trying to get people to do. I'm not a quitter. <laughs> no way I'm quitting. It happens. 
And in Christianity, there's a lot of theology and words that are used that are tough. Like surrender. Bad word for Americans, deal. We don't surrender. Are you kidding? But there it is throughout the New Testament. You've got to surrender yourselves. It's here. It's everywhere. So, what's going on? Decrease. We must decrease. What, what, what's going on? Well, I asked the Cana artist this week if anyone had an idea for this theme. And a number of artists responded. Thank you very much. But one in particular I felt captured it brilliantly. This is Lydia's painting here. It's a little small, so I also have the sketch version of it. So you can see it a little more. And I'm going to have Lydia come up and explain this picture because I think it can help us see the beauty and value and truth of Christ must increase and we must decrease. Lydia? So I don't like talking in front of people, so I'm going to read it off my phone because I forgot to print it out this morning. <laughs> um, when, I was, when he asked me, I was praying about it, and I was like, all right, what can I possibly do to make something that I would want to share? with a bunch of people and then possibly talk about it. So <laughs> it's like, all right, here's what I have. And I wrote it in an email, and he was like, why don't you just read that? I was like, okay, that sounds good. So um, I saw this in my mind, and I was like, okay, everything that we have, our very blood, representing all our hopes, all our relationships, all our choices, all our careers, influences, and passions, it must all be poured out to Christ. It's painful, but the person has a slight smile and eyes turned upward because Christ is the reason for and giver of all the best things. So we can trust that even giving Christ all we have, even perhaps especially to the point of pain, kind of his blood that he's pouring out there, it's not, that's not easy, um, will always be worthy because he is the most beautiful example of sacrificial love turning into good, turning into the Savior for all the world. Thank you, Lydia. Thank you. So, I just felt she captured it beautifully, what Christ must increase and, and we must decrease. And, and, and thank you, Lydia, so much for that. And, and also, anyone that is an artist, poet, wordsmith, painter, drawer, musician, share, share your art with our community. I love this. This is the second time we've, we've used artwork and, and the artist in, in the teaching time, and I, and I want to do more of it. I want more of us involved in, in what we're doing. It's beautiful. Ruben, the Cana Artists Unite is brilliant. There's a Facebook page that you can uh, join and you can share your art there. Because I, I, I just think it's, you know, I'm, I'm really not an artist. I, I, I use words, but I even said to, I said, how this all came about, I wrote Ruben first. I said, Ruben, you got anything in your files that would work with Christ must increase and we must decrease? He said, oh, I'll ask the artist. I'm like, Ruben's. Tuesday, you can't ask the artist on Tuesday. Do you have anything? And he said, no, trust me, they're artists. And sure enough, boom, pictures started showing up. <laughs> awesome. Share with us. A few weeks ago, if you weren't here, little Daisy McCrow played the piano for us. Share your gifts with us. Okay? Now, I also found an absolutely beautiful blog post on this confession of John's. And I want to share something. It's by a writer named John Bloom. And I think it really captures the beauty of this great confession. Now, for the podcast, I need to say this, this next paragraph. John, forgive me, I've, I've paraphrased your words quite a bit, but it's still your work, so, so there you go. When Christ increases, our love for him increases, and so our love of lesser things decreases. And that's a good thing. 
Because when our love for lesser things becomes greater than our love for Christ, that causes us to live lives governed by fear of losing those lesser gods we love so much. But in Christ, we are invited to live not lives of fear, but fearless lives. When Christ increases, our trust in him increases. And our trust in ourselves decreases. And that is good because trust in ourselves causes us to live lives as prisoners to our circumstances. Because there are always circumstances that come into our lives that we cannot do anything about. Anything. And when we trust ourselves, we pretty quickly discover what a bad place to put our trust in, right? When you go to the doctor on a well visit, and 45 minutes later, you're told you have cancer? Do you really want to trust yourself in that situation? And if, you, if, if we are our God, that, that's a nightmare. When someone crosses a yellow line and hits you head on and it throws your life completely out of whack, if, if, if you are your God, it, it's not going to go well. When you are born with cystic fibrosis, right, Jonathan? You find out that, well, trusting myself isn't going to help me. So when Christ increases in us, he invites us to live lives of faith despite our circumstances. Despite our circumstances. When Christ increases, our faith in his power and willingness to provide our material needs increases. And our fear-based efforts to financially secure our own futures decreases. And that is good because fear of losing financial security can make us miserable. And also fear of losing financial security prevents us from radically giving, from radically ministering to each other and to the least of these. But in Christ, we're invited to live free for others and know the blessings of giving even out of our own want. And the big one, and we sang about this actually this morning, and I, I love this most. When Christ increases, our trust in the reality of resurrection increases, and our fear of death decreases. And that is good. For when we live in constant fear of death, we spend inordinate amounts of time, energy, resources trying to prevent death. And when death comes to our loved ones, we're often paralyzed with despair. But in Christ, we're invited to believe that to live really is Christ, and to die really is gain. Yes, I think he must increase, and, and we must decrease. And ultimately, this is how we become lovers of God and each other. As Christ increases in us, and makes us like himself, then we're able to live like Christ in the world around us. So, let's use this as our theme for 2015. It will, it will be this year's, seek not your own good, but that of your neighbors. That was the theme in 2014 as we're going through Corinthians. Paul said, seek not your own good, but that of your neighbors. And like all the themes that we've used throughout the years here at Cana, 
It is designed to help us to live into the vision that is of Canaan Community Church. And I want to talk about that now for a few minutes, if you don't mind. For one of the things that arose last week during our community-wide conversation was a seeming confusion over what the Cana vision is. So I thought it would be a good <coughs> thing to perhaps explain the Cana vision this morning. It would be good for those of us who have been here since day one to be reminded of it, and also for those who are newer to our community to perhaps hear it talked about directly and purposefully. The Cana vision is to love God and others. And as we learn to do this better, to then help others find their way to doing it better. The Cana vision is discovering that God loves us, and in that security, loving Him back and loving others. Okay? So, our Sunday morning communion service, which we're in the middle of, is a place that we practice loving God, and we gather with others we're also trying to love. Then, as our love for each other becomes more real and tangibly Christ-like, we then share that with even more others around us. Okay? So, we do this as individuals and as a community. As individuals, we do it in the world we live and move in. That's to start at home, in our families. We practice Christ-likeness. We practice learning to love those we are closest to. And that's the hardest that is the hardest. And I'm sure everyone here knows that. It's hard to love those we're always with. But that's where it has to start. I was talking about the vision this week with someone, and he had a great line. He's like, it's like this. I would die for my wife. I know that. But the question is, am I going to share my steak with her? <laughs> and it was like perfect. I was like, exactly. That's why we talk about loving each other, so you can share your steak with your wife. It has to start in our homes. Then it starts with our neighbors, where we live. It's in our workplace with our coworkers. It's with the people we stand in line with. The jerk that just cut us off on the highway. There's so many ways we have to practice loving each other as individuals. We live out the Canaan vision. Dave has to love his students. Paul goes into prisons and, and, and loves the prison. We have to practice. Then as a community, we practice loving others in the world that church lives and moves in. It is a constantly growing sphere of loving others, rooted in our love of God, and most importantly, rooted in His love of us. Because as we know we are loved, we then learn the freedom to love. As God increases in us and makes us like Christ, we then can go out and live like Christ in the world, invite others to know how much Christ loves them, and then help them to then embrace that transformation that God is doing in them to become little Christ as well. Picture a stone cast on still water. Right? And the ripples, ripples. So prayerfully, this cane of vision constantly creates ongoing ripple effects in our lives and in the lives of those we touch as individuals and as a community. Here is how the vision is written in the original language of the Cana story. This has been around since before Cana started meeting, and it remains 
what Cana is. It's on the website. You can find it, and it's easy to find now. It's a new website. It's much easier to find than it was on the old website. Love God, love others. We want to be people who love. Not in some theoretical or emotional way do we strive to love, but with action, self-giving, hard work, and much sacrifice. And I want to make a side note here. Even our communion service that we have every week comes out of this statement. Not in theoretical or emotional ways. You know, Cana's communion service is not simple, for lack of a better term. There are moments that you have to engage or it's, it's, it's a very boring service. You know, there's a lot of services, and, and God bless them. We need all different kinds of services, all different kinds of churches. But, you know, you can go and you can get ten songs that just whip you into a frenzy, and then a, a, a pastor will give you 45 minutes whipping you into a frenzy, and you go home. Great, awesome. But that, that's not Cana. Cana, you have to engage. There's, there's silent moments at the, in the Cana communion service. There's liturgy that, that you have to engage, to, to, to reach into. The band stops just when we're about to go emotional. But that's not purposeful. That's just the way it is. It's a, it's a communion service. We want to love with action, self-giving, hard work, and, and, and much sacrifice. It goes on, continues, the Canaan vision. Our teaching and studying is wholly concerned with examining the scripture in light of this commandment. And I think for those of you who have been here since the beginning or any length of time and heard the teaching at Cana, it's, it's all the time. Love others. Right? Even Tito comes to me and six years in, he's saying, just keep preaching, I'm getting it. <laughs> That's the Cana vision. It's wholly concerned with examining the scripture in light of this commandment. We believe Christ when he said, on these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. Therefore, we expect to find the who, the what, the where, and why of this throughout the Bible. In fact, we believe the Bible is designed through God's inspiration to reveal this universal truth. It is our belief that God created us for this, sent his son Jesus to teach us this, and to lay down his life to free us to this, and gave us his Holy Spirit to enable us to do it. Our conversations are designed to further our understanding of this command to love one another. We are engaged in an ongoing dialogue through which we encourage, inspire, and challenge one and all to love the other. And this other is everyone. Everyone. Certainly, the other is the oppressed and marginalized of our greater world. Certainly. The other is also the poor and outcast within our own society. Certainly. But ultimately, the other is anyone who is our neighbor at any given moment. Often the most pressing need of love today is in the form of forgiveness, understanding, and acceptance that so many crave, yet so many are denied. For those of us who are brought up in more traditional Christian environments, this is embracing the gospel, and living the gospel. That's what this is. Our actions are based on the firm conviction that Christ loved and so should we. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So here at Canaan Community Church we want to be known in this way. Of course we do fail at times, but remain committed to the overriding belief that authentic human being loves. An authentic human being 
is what happens when Christ increases. <coughs> Bless you. When we allow Christ to redeem us and to increase in us, authentic human being comes. That's what redemption is. That's what salvation is. To be given the humanity God created that we've cracked over the millennium. Now, one of the essential elements of this vision is that each and every individual that comes to Cana is encouraged and challenged to find the way they can best love others. So, I think this may be the bit that is causing some of the confusion around what the Cana vision is. I think the word vision causes confusion because it's such an ambiguous word. It means so many different things, so many different people. But more importantly, I, I think it's this bit that's challenging because we want to encourage and challenge everyone to find the way they can best others. So maybe this will help. Okay? We have always and will always encourage folks to love others as God calls them. So while some, like Sam and Jill, for example, are called to love the homeless, Others might be called to love the rich. Some, like Paul Kozlowski, called to love the prisoners. Others, like Reuben, called to love the artists. Etc., 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 and on and on it goes. Cana is a place whose vision wants to encourage and support those different expressions of love. Not all of us need to participate in all the ways that we are being led by God to follow the great commandment, but we should, as a community, encourage each other to provide an environment that helps each other live out the vision of loving others. So, the many different ways folks have ideas about loving others does not mean we have a conflicting vision. <clears throat> Having space to allow folks freedom to bring the kingdom of God to this world in many different ways that they have been gifted and called should not in any way be understood as a contradiction to the Cana vision. It is very consistent with the vision to love God and love others. David has this gifting and calling to love us through music. And it's beautiful. I don't think people understand the, the amount of sacrifice that Dave Bronson makes and everyone else who joins him. I'm not, I'm not lessening what everyone else says. I just want to point that Dave Bronson has made over the last six years to bring music to. He has a wife, he has young kids, he's a school teacher, and yet every Sunday he's here long before anybody else, at 8 o'clock, setting up. All the equipment we have, he's bought. He's called to love us through his music. He also has a calling to bring the kingdom of God to the world through his music. Just hasn't yet got to that place yet. Jennifer keeps telling him to go on The Voice, and, and, and he, he should, because I think he'd win. But the point, of, the, the, the point I'm getting at is... We should encourage and support that. 
And it's okay if, if we don't join in that. It's okay. Like, you don't want me to join in that. <laughs> okay, that beautiful Mount Zion. Oh, my gosh. I was crying. But had I jumped into that harmony, that would have brought that to a screeching off. <laughs> Quickly. <coughs> so if we had a space in which Dave could bring the kingdom of God to the greater world through music, that would be beautiful. It doesn't mean we have to be involved in it. Do you understand? But we support it and encourage it. The King of Vision is about loving God and loving others and encouraging and supporting different people's ways of wanting to love God and love others. And what we have to be careful of as a community is that We don't think that we don't get into a place where we start thinking, well, that person's not doing what I'm doing, so they must not be loving God. We can't go there. We can't judge like that. Unity around the vision of loving God and loving others, supporting each other in the different ways God is calling us, but not having division and, and, and not, not having fear. And it's okay that we're called in different ways to love and working out those different ways. And, and, as we, and as we continue to grow as a community in love for each other and the world around us, we're going to find our different ways of doing it. And there will be some things we do that, yeah, most of us might jump on board with. But the people that don't, it's okay. And there will be other things we do that are, are not a lot of, 100% participation. I mean, I, I've been in a lot of churches. Mark's been in a lot of churches. Rich, I, a lot of you have been in a lot of churches. Yeah, I, I've never seen 100% participation. I, it, that's not what church is. Church is, is growing communion. It's coming together to, to do communion, to love God and practice loving each other. Then, then we do our things where God calls us and how he calls us to do it. I hope this hasn't some small way helped. After the conversation last week, I know not everyone was there for it, but you've probably heard about it. And, and, and so I hope this has helped in some small way. But, because I don't think there should be confusion over the cane of vision. I think it's very clear. Certainly, we want to be examining it. We want to be applying it to our lives. We want to engage the tension that trying to love God and others brings, and there's a lot of tension when you're trying to love others, especially when they're not being, you know, not being people that you like so much, but it's good to keep loving them. We should be seeking God's will as to how we as individuals and as a community can best love Him and others. We should be refining what the vision looks like in practice, all those things, etc., etc., but, but hopefully we, can, we don't have confusion about the kingdom of vision. This is an exciting time. In five months, five months, we are going to be worshiping together in a new space somewhere in this city that we first started worshiping together in six years ago. And that's another thing I want to point out that I think some people have forgotten and like Mark pointed out to me, didn't even know. You know, I, one of the things I, I forget is 
I've been around since the beginning and I just assume everyone has. And I forget people come in at different times and go away and come back in and, and go away and come back in. And, and I find it amazing that Molly Grace is here because I'm, I'm going to mention you. You didn't even know I was going to mention you show up today. That's you. Um, <laughs> anyway, what, what people need to realize is that we have always been a church in the city of Worcester. That's what we've always been. October 26, 2008, we got our first communion service right across the street in Worcester State University. A week before that, we had our first introductory meeting at Worcester State University. Den and Meg were there. Den and Meg just now finding their way to worship with us, which is wonderful. But they were at that meeting to wish us well, brought us a flower. I still remember it. It was beautiful. But we have never not been anything but a Worcester church. It's what we've always been. A little underground. Like, this is literally almost underground. <laughs> but, but we've always been a Worcester church. It was set up that way. When the vision, I believe, was given me, it was for Worcester. And the only reason we were in a classroom at Worcester State is because I wasn't a millionaire. If I was a millionaire, we would have had a building, a church building, and everything that comes along with it, but I wasn't. So we started little, and we grew to another classroom. And that, that was changed. It wasn't simple. It was hard because it was upstairs. And we need to have two rooms because the kids, but it was hard to take care of kids in the cement floor. And, and then, was, then we came here. And that was to have issues in this transition across the street. Mostly because people couldn't find how to get in here. <laughs> but now we, and, and, and then we didn't have those two rooms to start. We had to make do, but now we've got two beautiful rooms for the kids. And, and, but we've always been a Worcester church. Mark said to me this week, he said, well, you know, it's, sometimes it's challenging because, you know, you, you start in the little suburbs and everyone's in the same neighborhood. I'm like, whoa, no, we didn't do it. We never did that. He's like, oh, I didn't know. I'm like, yeah, we've always been called to Worcester, and, and that's what we are. Whether God gives us a few hours per week, like we have now, or, or seven days per week of space, like, we, like would be, I think would be wonderful, but whatever he gives us, I'm going to be fine. As the teaching pastor at Canaan Community Church, I'm just excited to see what God gives us. And whatever that is, a few hours or all week long, we're going to continue to push into this beautiful and wonderful vision through weekly communion services and in all the myriad other ways God calls us individually and collectively to love Him and others. That's what we're going to do. And I think the things that we should be praying for, first and most, just God show us where He's bringing us. But for space that He's providing that we, we can take care of our children even better than they're taken care of in this space. That's important. That wherever it is, even if it's a few hours, we can engage more and put our roots down in this city that we're in. But again, it doesn't change what we do. If you're in a home group outside in the town where you live, that's wonderful. Don't stop those. In fact, I wish everyone was. And, and I'm going to get up on my soapbox for a second and, and be one of those other kind of pastors. If you're not in home group, get in one. They're vital. Vital. For years, the only church Jennifer and I and my kids had met was a home group in the Woodruff's house. We didn't even go to their church. 
but we went to their home group and that was church for them. Home groups are vital. It's where real intimacy develops and you learn that tension of you know, loving each other even when maybe it's not going well. And you get to share intimately and passionately with each other. And then you bring that here and we do it together and then we do it. None of that's going to change wherever God brings us. Well, it should change because I'm going to start keeping a list. And you're getting negatives if you're not in the home group. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right, just Listen, if we can allow Christ to increase and ourselves to decrease, if we can put each other's needs ahead of our own, if we can forgive one another, especially forgive one another, like me, I was a bit of a bastard last week, and, and, and there are people have, I've, I've asked forgiveness, I've, I've gotten it. If we can forgive one another, if we can encourage one another, if we can live into one another, even during the messiest of times, the cane of vision is going to spread among ourselves and among the world we live in. I know this because it already has. I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the cane of vision. There are people in this room that would not ordinarily choose to be in the same room as others. But we're doing it because we love the Lord first and foremost and learning to love each other because of that love. I also know it will be true because I have a folder full of emails from folks at Cana who have come and left and come again or come and just left or are here telling me how Cana has changed their lives for the better. I'm not going to embarrass you, but Molly Grace was baptized in her own church. She told me on her baptism day, she said how she met this whole other side of God's love and who Jesus was by coming to Canaan. That's the king of vision. Let's covenant together, please, 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 to just keep rambling and stumbling down this road to loving God and others. Let's not give up on each other, like that opening video said. We can do this by letting Christ increase and we decrease. Might God help us all. Amen. Amen.